Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. How often does a PI end up with a, in a situation like this, dealing with a murder? No one. Unsolved South Carolina is back, and we are breaking new details in the Murdoch murder cases. Is it okay to call you by your name? Are you comfortable with that? Mm. No, because again, I just don't know what this is doing to me. We're following a developing story, this one out of Colleton County. It's 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Double homicide involving a mother and son. Both deaths resulting from apparent gunshot wounds. In this town, nobody questioned the Murdochs for 100 years. You know, powerful people make powerful enemies. You commit a murder in the 14th Circuit, the odds of you going to death row are high. From the studios of WCIV ABC News 4 in Charleston, this is the podcast Unsolved South Carolina, case file number one, The Murdochs. An exclusive interview with a private investigator named Sarah Capelli, who is now being forced to turn over all of her surveillance on Paul Murdoch, taken before he was shot and killed last year. Thank you very much for talking to us. Uh, I wanted to, first sitting in her living room, I want to know, how did she get caught up in all of this? So I guess it started up when Sled knocked on my door. When did they knock on your door? Well, they interviewed me and asked me. Um, when was it? It was, it was pertaining to the murder. They had heard that I had an unmanned camera and trackers on the vehicles. It's been 10 months since 22-year-old Paul and his mother Maggie were murdered at the Murdoch family's hunting lodge in Colleton County. Only one person of interest has ever been named in the case, Alec Murdoch. That's Maggie's husband and Paul's father. Seven months ago, Alec's attorney, Jim Griffin, outed Alec as a person of interest in an interview with Cody Alcorn at Fox Carolina News. Around the same time, Alec's other attorney, Dick Harputlian, while he denied speculation of Alec's involvement. He denies any involvement, any knowledge. He found them. Somebody out there is responsible for the death, uh, the horrible, almost execution-style deaths of Maggie and Paul. It's not Alec execution-style deaths with no-name suspects. Yet the state law enforcement division is adamant. The community at large is not at risk, that there's not some mystery murderer still on the loose. That suggests state police are confident Maggie and Paul's murders were isolated, and they do have a suspect in mind. But still, no arrests, no new details. Is the murder investigation moving in silence? Is it moving at all? Is it that this agency is remarkably tight-lipped, unconcerned about any future deaths, 
and just waiting for Paul and Maggie's murderer to slip up? Or does this agency really not know who committed these double murders at Moselle last June? Or could the murderer already be behind bars? Just for a minute, let's go back to that night on June 7th at the Murdoch's home in the tiny Moselle community. Paul was reportedly found near the dog kennels, shot at close range with a shotgun, his body at least a couple of hundred yards away from the main house. And 52-year-old Maggie, Alex's wife, shot multiple times by a different gun, a rifle, found not far from Paul. Alec found them, called 911, and waited for his brother John Marvin and Randy Murdoch to come to the crime scene. Now, 10 months later, Alec is the only one sitting in jail, not for the murders or even his own botched plot to kill himself a few months after the murders, but for alleged crimes against dozens of other victims. Alec, the disgraced Hampton lawyer, faces at least 73 counts of being a con artist, running money scams that state prosecutors say go back at least 11 years. Here's the state prosecutor. He's describing Alec Murdoch during a bond hearing where Alec argued unsuccessfully to have his bond reduced from $7 million, money that represents the amount he allegedly stole from his victims. This unique case where we have a man from such a powerful family, uh, from the heights of power, the heights of success in the legal profession here in South Carolina, who has come to these particular circumstances and is facing these allegations, that tends to make one, in my uh, experience, uh, more dangerous and more unhinged than perhaps someone who's got a lot more experience and has been in this position before. Alec is accused of stealing millions of dollars from his clients, his firm, and his friends, even his dead housekeeper's sons. He already faces more than 700 years in prison if found guilty of these financial crimes. And then there's the fact that seems to have gotten lost in the noise surrounding the Murdoch's diabolical plot twists. That gruesome double murder of Paul and Maggie on June 7th, it was just three days before Paul was to appear before a judge. Paul was accused of causing 19-year-old Mallory Beach's death by crashing his father's boat into a bridge with five friends on board when he was very drunk. After that crash in February of 2019, Mallory's grieving mother sued the Murdochs and the owner of Parker's gas stations, one of which allegedly sold alcohol to underage Paul that night. Here's Mallory's mom. What was the reason for why you guys filed the civil suit? What motivated me was getting evidence of, of everything. I knew who we were up against and how things would probably disappear if, if we didn't act quickly. And according to court transcripts, Mr. Parker hired a private investigator to spy on Paul Murdoch in the months before he was murdered. They were allegedly and ironically trying to sully the Murdoch name. I spoke to the PI March 31st, 2022. Honestly, how often do you have, as a private investigator, for the person who you're supposed to be surveilling is murdered. How unusual is this? Extremely, extremely. I'm unaware of any case that I can um, reference that this has happened to. Sarah Capelli is a PI, but she's also a single mom in a small town 
in South Carolina. I've always been in a power boys club industry. I was in politics for 25 years and then um, I crossed over to becoming a private investigator. Again, that appears to be a very male dominated field. Uh, as a female private investigator, I strongly believe that we are perceived less threatening. Uh, we don't need, therefore, to use pretext and cover stories. Uh, we can blend in easier. We're nurturers. Mm -hmm. People are more trusting of a female um, and, and less threatening. So easier to get the job done. This B.I.'s cover was blown. She was thrust into the spotlight on March 16th. That's when the Beach's lawyer, Mark Tinsley, mentioned her to a judge. In court, he said this P.I. was surveilling Paul for a year, up to within three days of his murder. Tinsley even said she had cameras set up at the entrance to the Murdoch's home. Judge Bentley Price asked if that video at Moselle was confirmed. Tinsley said sled investigators had gotten video, but he wasn't sure where it was taken. I called the AG's office. They would not confirm or deny anything. Now, that's Tinsley's side of the story. But what does our private detective have to say? She begins with sled knocking on her door. July 5th, 2021. That's less than a month after Maggie and Paul's murder. You know, they were hopeful, as everyone is, that that the evidence would have been presented had I placed an unmanned camera. But my scope of my investigation was complete, so there was no need. Despite what Tinsley says, she denies his timeline is correct. In fact, she says her contract to investigate Paul had ended three months before the murders. I was contracted by my client, Parkers, between the time of February 8th of 2021 to March 18th of 2021. In my counting, um, <laughs> rudimentary, <laughs> I don't want to say that. Clearly, that's what, a month? That's a month and 10 days, right? I don't do math. So it's not a year that you were supposed to follow Paul. It was a month. Yeah. Yes. So you were supposed to follow Paul for a month. And, I, but this says a year and within three days of when he was murdered. Which is incorrect and inaccurate. And to follow that line of thinking, of course, what, what everyone jumped to the conclusion of was that that was around the time he was murdered and we're still trying to figure out who murdered Paul Murdoch. So um, obviously that raised an enormous amount of interest right off the bat, didn't it? Correct. And another discrepancy, Beach family attorney Mark Tinsley told the judge as he understood it, Capelli was hired by Parkers to get video of Paul Murdoch drinking, partying, and talking about killing that girl. That girl Tinsley refers to is 19-year-old Mallory Beach. Tinsley told the judge the PI effectively broke the law during her undercover investigation of Paul. He said, quote, significantly, one of the things Miss Capelli did was she bought alcohol for some underage people in Colombia in order to get information about Paul Murdoch, end quote. I asked Capelli if that was true. There was a accusations, allegations that there was some kind of, that you were involved in, in supplying alcohol to an underage person during your, during your surveil. What do you take from that? That the, this is our rumors, that this is alleged. It's a photograph, I know what it is. It's a selfie and a private party that I gained access to just like anyone else in there.
but I don't know how to explain that. I would simply state that he has no concrete evidence because I had not been court ordered to turn it over. So where is he coming up with this? I've seen the Snapchat selfie. It's a photo of the PI smiling with a young woman. Tinsley believes the photo was taken in November 2020, before she was working for Parkhurst. However, the PI says that photo was taken months later at a private Super Bowl party. She was there to get information about Paul. He was not there. She says everyone was carded. She says this timeline is in an affidavit given to the judge. Now, what she has is also getting turned over to the judge now as I write this podcast. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious that I had obtained some evidence that was clearly known, you know, that was from me. We had to do an affidavit, you know. Everything that we do is um, bound by law with timestamp from metadata and all video. Um, you know, we fact check everything. We use a database. We do use GPS trackers as a tool to identify uh, patterns of behavior, uh, ideal opportunities to be on site for surveillance so I don't waste my time and I don't waste my clients' money. GPS trackers, by the way, are legal in South Carolina with restrictions. And before she even took the case, this PI says she did her homework and realized there could be more than meets the eye with the Murdochs. Uh, I n discovered certain inconsistencies and uh, quickly realized that this case was not as simple as it was implied and or written on my contract. But I am a very, very uh, determined individual. Therefore, I took the case. I had planned to you know, start to finish, finish exactly what I was hired to do, even if there were distractions and uh, discoveries through word of mouth, that there were, you know, two other PIs involved, allegedly, that there was a death, uh, possibly two, that, you know, there was tampering of evidence and, you know, things of that nature. But again, that was never my scope. In other words, she says her scope was not Stephen Smith's death, not Gloria Satterfield's death, and not the wheelings and dealings of two other PIs allegedly hired by Parkers prior to this PI's contract. Did you know who these other PIs were? I discovered while on my investigation about three weeks in that there had been two other PIs and I contacted my client and had requested to see the evidence of said, you know, t former two PIs um, and they said it doesn't affect the scope of your assignment so um, we do not, you know, find at this time that that's necessary for you to have that evidence. and. I did not know the investigators' names until I was uh, subpoenaed by Tinsley. She says her scope was just a 40-day contract to follow Paul Murdoch. Parker's was considered my first uh, cr like criminal uh, law-centered case. At that time, Paul was still awaiting trial almost two and a half years after the fatal boat crash. And when a family allegedly owns the court system, then I can presume that there was an issue with getting anything on the docket. That family she alludes to, she says they had an interest in her information on Paul as well. Actually, I was investigated by the Murdochs before the murder. That's right. This private detective says she was being spied on by none other than the Murdochs. You were? Mm-hmm. How? 
Well, I mean, this is all conjecture, but uh, that that was surveyed because they found out when their son was alive that I was investigating them. The Murdoch investigation was prior to the murder. After the murder, I um, told and I met the FBI, former FBI agent who now works as an independent private investigator. He was hired by the Murdochs and the case just ended six months ago because the Murdochs ran out of money. Why is this PI now being forced to turn over her surveillance? Well, it's under court order. After a judge ruled she and several others must comply with subpoenas from Tinsley. It's part of a second lawsuit. The Beaches attorney has launched against Greg Parker, the owner of a well-known gas station and convenience store franchise in South Carolina and Georgia. This second lawsuit, well, it accuses Parker and his attorneys of, quote, emotional warfare against Mallory Beach's family, stooping so low as to allegedly sell photos of Mallory's dead body to a journalist named Vicki Ward. Soon after, the photos of Mallory they ended up being shared online. Tinsley says it was all part of a plan to get the Beach family to drop their original lawsuit against Parker for his company's role in the boat crash. Tinsley says Parker or someone on his payroll orchestrated and bankrolled harassment of the Beach family, and he thinks the records he subpoenaed will prove it. There's a lot of oddities about this case, right? So the fact that PIs are coming out, uh, you know, this is to have a PI outed, basically. What do you think about that situation as far as being brought into this conversation right now? Well, naturally, a private investigator should always prepare for um, outcomes that you know are uncontrollable. We can't control human behavior. Um, you know, we are documenting uh, you know raw uh, environments. Uh, that, of course, our evidence is never going to prove or disprove. It's only going to provide the facts. But this case, which was supposed to be a very easy, uh, you know, essentially locate a person and document, uh, you know, activity level, to be honest. And uh, fortunately, I've been hijacked. You feel like you've been hijacked? Absolutely. By whom? Uh, by the opposing counsel in a civil case that I have nothing honestly to deal with or do with. The scope of my investigation was so minor and so minimal that it has no bearing upon producing any truth to solving the murders. By the way, I've spoken to Tinsley. He says he stands by everything he told the judge. What does he think this PI has on video? He believes that I am, you know, the, the holding of the Holy Grail, I mean. The smoking gun. But nevertheless, her surveillance now will be shared with Tinsley and perhaps many others. Do you think it's important for people to see what you uncovered about Paul? I believe that um, my client had hired me and I did my job and the scope again was minor. You feel like everything you did was on the up and up? I don't feel, I know facts speak for themselves, and all of which is being released with no qualms, no concerns. She says her license as a PI with SLED, well, it remains in good standing. What has this experience been like for you? Well, I mean, exhausting. I mean, the amount of time spent interviewing attorneys, 
because I needed to protect myself based upon subpoenas. It has been awful. <laughs> I have three children. Um, um, we are aware that there has been people trying to know, be nosy, ask my neighbors questions. Um, I've taken my Facebook page down several times. Um, I don't answer my phone. Um, not taking on any new clients uh, due to the fact that three of my contracts are not using me just due to the limbo of outcomes. And I don't find it um, uh, morally or ethically rather okay for me to take on a client when this is happening. I don't, I don't feel that I can give my all or my 100% with this continuous torture. Meanwhile, Alec Murdoch sits in jail denied any real opportunity for Bond while authorities continue to unravel the scope of his crimes. He's the focus of, or at least tied to, six active criminal investigations. Four of those involve deaths, not the least of which being his own wife and son. And the question still burns. Who killed them? Here's Alex attorney Dick Harputlian at Alex's Bond hearing earlier this year. Who said what? And all this is about is Mr. Waters' inability, inability to have law enforcement focus on the murders of Paul and Maggie. And they're attempting to distract from those murders. They're attempting to infer that somehow Alec Murdoch was involved and, and use that as a way to heavy up on him. He was not involved. He's indicated he wasn't involved. And this is a total distraction. What's the old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer? But what happens when you can't really tell the two apart? I'm a little yeah. Yeah. taken back yeah. that you would accept becoming a PR for a, a claim and not really understand what the claim would be. Unsolved South Carolina was brought to you by me, Ann Emerson, along with producer Drew Trupp and editor Daniel Michener. Original music by Maxwell Harrison. Coming up next time on Unsolved South Carolina, Alex's friends turn on him, but is it enough to save themselves? We look at the collateral damage left behind. Did you find it strange that Alec was the one that was asking you to be the PR when he was the, quote, uh, target defendant? If you enjoyed listening today, please consider rating and reviewing. It goes a long way to help others discover this podcast.